You can do it. Yes, you can. I'm Bree Pruitt. Help me understand your trouble, your struggle. I'll build you up. I'm Bree Pruitt. You're my buttercup. You're listening to You Can Do It with Bree Pruitt, the weekly pep talk podcast for all the things we struggle with. I am your host, Bree Pruitt, coming to you live from the studio in Glendale, California. That is the traditional land of the Tongva, Tatavian, and Chumash people. I'm sending all my energy, every last drop, to the good and gentle listener and everybody who sings along with the theme song. Ooh, baby, I am getting your strength and energy. It is strengthening my song, and I thank you very much. What is happening? Well, folks, we're, we're back for another week. I'm excited to bring an interview with Megan Duffy. Megan Duffy, actress. Oh, honey, have you heard of Gilmore Girls? That's what I wrote down as her credit. But she's done so many other things. Maniac. Uh, I really loved that um, short Netflix series, Maniac. Um, she was also um, had a stint on The Affair. Showtime's The Affair. She made out with McNulty on The Affair. We talk about it. Oh, yes. we. I think we talked about it on the podcast. I don't think we talked about it off mic, but like, I was pretty excited to hear that she made out with McNulty uh, from The Wire and later The Affair. Um, very cool. Megan Duffy, we talked about shadow work, um, the kind of the work that she's been doing preceding the pandemic and then just, you know, the pandemic and how that is impacting her. She's an actress, so it's tough, man. She really, um, you know, kind of shared a journey that was already in process. Um, I, I gave her a little nudge, of course, but um, always glad, always glad to talk to somebody who doesn't really need a pep talk and is just trying to share their journey. We love to see it. Um, definitely check out the episode notes, support her work. She has a D&D podcast, which what a great way to escape a global pandemic but retreat into the land of fantasy, you know? So check that out. Um, her podcast is called The Fear Initiative. Or she, it's maybe not her podcast. She performs with them. Um, but it's very cool. Um, yeah, great to talk to her. Please stick around for that. What is happening? Well, one thing I want to talk about is uh, hate crimes toward Asian American Pacific Islander elderly is happening. We hate to see it. It's been on the rise for a while. Um, I have not fully processed all of the think pieces around um, sort of reading into this and what it means for, you know, this this racial reckoning in the United States and like what what this stop on the journey is. Um, it's pretty scary. And I am going to also add some resources to the episode notes that are it, it sound it, what I am linking to is a woman who started a sort of a booklet in different um, Asian languages. She's expanded to Thai and Vietnamese in light of recent attacks and she's um, sort of distributing these sort of safety protocol and like community awareness brochures to um, certain neighborhoods in the Bay. Yeah, it's it sucks that that this kind of organizing needs to happen, but it absolutely does. So I will go ahead and link that. Um, it is, you know, uh, a good time to, <laughs> I think, 
process everything that's happening, including, you know, a white supremacist uh, siege on the Capitol. We've got a lot of, you know, we've got the impeachment trial going on right now from when I am recording this today on the 9th. Um, this conversation with Megan Duffy was earlier in January, and you can kind of hear it in our voices. We're kind of like um, shook, uh, I think, in the interview. But yeah, it's just a good time to heal, I think, guys. Um and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do a little little self. It's an inward mini rant. Um, that one thing that you may have may be listening, good and gentle listener, uh, may have noticed. Uh, something that I have noticed. There sure have been a lot of white women as guests, and we we love our guests. We so appreciate them giving us uh, their time and sharing their experiences with us. I frankly don't have a lot of help producing this show gang and so I am not super organized about um, programming you know I think racial diversity is of course extremely important which you've probably seen uh, you know in the lineups of the interviews of the show but just know that I still value racial diversity this has been a um, producing this podcast solo is not a picnic and um, I still need to work harder to, you know, make sure I am meeting all the missions of this podcast, which of course um, being, you know, representing all kinds of different identities and perspectives because that's what you are, you good and gentle listeners. You are all different identities and perspectives. Um, so absolutely will be working on that mission in the future. Sorry, I got a little preoccupied with um, everything I do that's not producing this podcast, but um, definitely making that priority. And there will be, you know, some solo episodes coming up, some Patreon content on the horizon. Yes, honey. Yes, mama. So if you know anyone who should be in this community and is not, you know, any chicken tenders, any good and gentle people who need this kind of content in their lives, please share it. Please follow um, the podcast, subscribe, give us a review, five stars if you haven't already done so. Uh, and let's keep building this place out. Of course, if you have any feedback, you have any guest recommendations or any uh, pep talk ideas, please, you know, hit me up on my website. It's brepruitt.com. I got a contact page that goes right to me, baby. If I have time, I'm reading that bitch. She might get back, not get back to you right away, but she'll try. So I hope everyone is taking good care of themselves because like it is a time for kind of a breath. I think um, I am watching some dumb fuck TV. I'm watching devs, which is a Hulu. It's actually kind of like, I don't know. It's sci-fi that's trying to be a horror movie. And I'm like, relax. Nick Offerman is your lead. Why don't you calm down? Just be a little bit cute devs. Um, it's like about quantum mechanics time travel kind of I don't know it's pretty good uh and then of course I watched Framing Britney speaking of white women <laughs> that we that we love Framing Britney Britney Spears um and actually I'm gonna shout out Framing Britney because two LA comedians Babs Gray and Tess Barker and actually that's <laughs> that's what sparked this thought really is like I was so excited to have uh, to see my friends, Tess Barker and Babs Gray, who have a podcast about Britney Spears' Instagram called Britney's Gram. And they were featured in this New York Times ep episodic documentary series um, about Britney Spears' conservatorship and how her dad is running her 
you know, all of her money and affairs when she is a perfectly competent adult woman. And that's that's what was, I think, so, you know, it's always um, interesting to kind of reflect on, wow, the 90s were really bad. And like, uh, the paparazzi were like fucking nightmarishly bad for some of these like celebrities. Um, and then to have two, you know, just to have two really sharp women like watching, um, you know, this situation and be like, hang on here. This is fully a feminist issue because... If Britney was a dude, no one would, you know, like Justin Bieber's mom isn't going to take over his money and then no one has a problem with that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, now people do have a problem with Britney's father running her finances, but it's it's very interesting. There's a lot of intersections. So, um, yeah, I recommend it. It's It was a good watch and, and it's a good good time to reflect on the 90s. Okay, moving into the rant. I always start the podcast with a rant, just a fire, just to blow a rant out of my rant hole here. And I, sorry, uh, and I have a, uh, I have an interesting rant. I moved all contacts. I moved all the furniture in my house around. Oh my, my the freaking four hundred fifty square feet I live in, or whatever. Moved all the furniture around. Got the old tape measure out, moved it, moved everything around. Oh, I got sweaty. It took hours. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love moving all my furniture around. Nothing like it in the world. But can you explain the power of moving all your furniture around? How is my life totally different? How is my, my, like my eyes are better. Like the light has changed. I feel different. How is, how is moving all your furniture around so powerful? Why is, okay, let me ask you this. Why is Feng Shui totally right, but we haven't been able to embrace it in the West? Fucking racism. That's why. You guys, y'all railed against Marie Kondo because she told you to throw your books out when she was right as hell. And we did not embrace her fully because of racism. And that's the ugly... um, It's the ugly truth of America. I actually don't know if that's true, but all I know is that... There is absolutely magic <laughs> to objects and moving shit around. I'll tell you what, my dear friend Sarjun, somebody, an old Chinese woman who lived across the street from her told her, you got to cut down this tree in front of your house if you ever want to make any money. And Sarah was like, whoa, like, really? And then I was like, kind of like, I was like, what, this tree? And I was like, oh, this tree is like blocking all the view to your house. And if you cut down that tree, your house would be like hella curb appeal. And maybe you sell, you know, you'd be able to sell your house and make a bunch of extra money that you wouldn't be able to make otherwise. I don't know if the, oh, <laughs> I don't know if the old, the old lady across the street was saying, uh, f- you know, feng shui or like, or like, um, any kind of Taoist principle. But I mean, basically it was like, you know, cut this tree if you want to make some money. And she was fucking right. The tree was blocking the house. But money isn't always what you want. And that's, that's, that's the problem with feng shui. Feng shui is always trying to attract money. It's always about money and prosperity. It's like, ah, yeah, I guess, I guess I could use some prosperity. Don't always need money. Okay. That's the, that's the rant. Uh, I got to do the pep talk. I'm taking way too long in this intro. The pep talk is, um, is pretty simple. My car is in the shop. Everybody contacts my car is in the shop. My car is in the shop and there is a, they are taking a long time to fix the car because the car, I need a special part. And this part is on a historic uh, back order. 
there's no none of this part exists in this in the state of California or anywhere. So we're waiting on the part. Uh, and, and my car just sitting, you know, far away at the mechanic shop. Um, for context, I always have my car very close to me. I think it's like a um, I've, I usually have a car in my life uh, that I own. And I, I usually keep it close to me. It's like an, it's like a comfort blanket that I can escape any situation. I always have my car and you, you know what else? I always put camping gear in my car. Cause now I live in Los Angeles. There's earthquakes, there's all kinds of tsunamis, there's all kinds of shit that could happen. So I got to stay on, on my tippy toes. So right now, not to have my car, not to have my camping gear makes me feel like I'm never going to, I feel like a trapped Rat. I feel like I am never going to be able to get out of here. I feel su- su- suffocated, smothered. I feel p- high, high pandemic anxiety right now. And I'm just going to give myself a little pep talk here and remind myself that I will be able to get out of here. What I, well, the thing I'm looking for is patience. I really, I really, really could use some, some patience here. And, uh, that doesn't that doesn't feel particularly useful to be reminded that patience is needed and exists. But um, in fact, it feels downright disrespectful to to give myself to give myself a, a, a patience reminder. But God damn it, it's completely right. Uh, time time will time will change the situation for me, and almost nothing else will. But what I can do is escape in tiny ways, tiny ways of the mind. Uh, I can build a fort. I can move my furniture around again. I mean, that actually really did help. The moving my furniture around helped a lot. It made me feel like I have a different apartment. Tiny escapes. Maybe I find some weird new places in my neighborhood to walk to. Tiny escapes. Mercury is retrograde, everybody. Uh, yes. Oh, and then my last, my last button on the pep talk is, you know, um, if if you need to escape. In, in the mind and things get really weird, you know, the, you, you know where the emergency drugs are. <laughs> I mean, and also, can we just say that I am a very functional adult if there are emergency drugs around that I have not taken? Impressive. Adulting. Hashtag adulting. <laughs> Boy, she sure is in her 30s. <laughs> All right, that's the pep talk. And we've got some uh, astrology going on. It's uh, Mercury retrograde right now. You've heard of that Mercury retrograde. Um, And, you know, this is not exactly an astrology podcast. This is definitely more of a a pep talk podcast. But, you know, we mentioned astrology. It is Mercury retrograde. That means things can be a little wacky, a little off kilter, a little backwards. Uh, Things might get lost in the shuffle. It's okay. Just be patient. Figure it out. Oh, patience. There it is again. Okay. So, oh, also it's Venus Aquarius. Venus Venus uh, Aquarius is like kind of a beautiful um, aspect. So, you know, enjoy that um, if you if you feel the loving vibes. And also, hey, wow, just around the corner, it is a, a, a romance holiday, a traditional romance holiday. Traditional. A, uh, a cultural, a, a modern cultural romance holiday is coming up. And uh, wouldn't you know it, this this is a time when I pull a tarot card for my good and gentle listeners. And, and, and just what can, you, what can you even believe about heaven and earth when the card that I pulled for my good and gentle listeners, the week of a, of a modern cultural romance holiday, 
but the lovers the card of the lovers the love the lovers the the couple in love in the tarot deck that's what i pulled this week wow magic truly magic coursing through these fingers um the lovers are a card that represents any kind of duality really <laughs> it really is like extremely non-specific in tarot I tend to think of the lovers as being kind of just what you are in relationship with uh, right now. And what I would like to suggest to you as we dive into this episode with Megan Duffy talking about shadow work is it's sort of like you and your shadow, the lovers. And the greater you can fall in love with that part of self that is like, hmm, the 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 less cute part the part that is here that you are here on earth to learn to love um you're on the way um so take that for what it's worth uh which is maybe not much but take uh take the lovers with you this week and if there's a moment where you can gaze at your own your less savory parts can gaze at that part lovingly I think that's pretty close to what we're looking for in this life a little self-love in the real way not the hashtag Instagrammy way all right babies let's kick off this episode with Megan Duffy where we talk about shadow work talk about loving the self and her process of doing that and obstacles along the way everybody join me in welcoming Megan Duffy and we're back. I am joined today by Megan Duffy. Ooh. Hi, Megan. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to have you on. You can do it with Bree Pruitt. Um, this is a pep talk podcast. I love to have comedians, performers of all ilks, and you are an actress. And you're here in Los Angeles, yes? Yeah, I live in Los Angeles. Actress, and then um, I also sometimes direct. I direct a lot of music videos. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> we can do uh, it all. We Yes, have it all. And you're a plant and cat mom. And we are just, I was just introduced to both of those uh, living creatures. And they're very beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so the question I asked um, is, how can me and my listeners show up for you? Where can we see all your, all your beautiful faces and works? Um, so I have, I think I'm probably most active on Instagram. Um just because, I don't know, I find it the funnest and I make, like to make like weird dance videos sometimes, especially during quarantine. Um, sometimes when I've had an afternoon with nothing to do, it's been fun to just like put on an old leotard and move around weird. And then um, it tell other oh, yeah. people other people tell me that it cheers them up to see it, especially when our new cycle can be so heavy. So um, I mean, you had me at old leotard. Very- <laughs> um, I used to do dance, so I have quite a few of them. And Amazing. Well, you know, when you're a kid and you're doing dance, you know, those recital costumes are like 50 bucks a piece and you wear them for like three performances and then that's it. Yeah. And um it's like being a bridesmaid. Yeah, and they're made of spandex, which means they stretch. So even if, you know, you get a little bigger, um you might still be able to squeeze into them. So yeah. I, I there's a couple that like no way, but um I have a couple that I'm like, "Oh, okay. All right." And uh yeah, and so my mom is happy that they're getting a second life. Just cut out the neck, you know? 
this yeah. shit will go forever. Or like sew a new piece into the crotch because okay. sometimes they just, you know, if you're taller. Um, yeah. But yeah, so my Instagram is, it's I'm a teacup human. I-M-A-T-E-A-C-U-P-H-U-M-A-N. Like a teacup poodle, but a person because yeah. I'm short. I'm four foot okay. 11 and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a teacup, a toy. Yeah, and then sometimes on Twitter I get a, I'm at the Megan Duffy and I get a little quippy, um, snarky. I'll say something snarky. Um, Hot takes. Yeah, I uh, so far into the new year, I have found uh, it was four. Now it's been five spiders in my bedroom. Ah, uh, which I'm told is a sign of good luck. So I did share that, well, there's been five spiders in my bedroom in the new year so far, but I did a load of laundry and didn't lose a single sock. Great. So, you know. <laughs> oh, luck. You're, yeah, the, the balance of luck in your apartment yeah. is, is good. Yeah, I think so. This, and I'll let the spiders have it. Well, we were just talking about witchcraft. So, you know, as above, so below is, you know, that's, that's the name of the game. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Um, so, so great. Do you have anything coming up that we should look out for? You're on some podcasts. Yeah, I, um, I'm a regular on a Blumhouse created podcast called Fear Initiative that is long form role playing based in D&D and it's horror comedy. Um, so we, that's just wherever. Is it scripted? No. So oh my we, god! Yeah, that so sounds we, amazing. We created our characters, and it's just long form improv. And our episodes are about two hours along and uh, two hours a piece. And um, yeah, people just follow our journey. And our DM is such an incredible storyteller. And so he'll pl- he's planned dungeon out master role. for yes. the uninitiated. Right. <laughs> oh, I forgot. You, that you there d- might you be don't people know. Who don't know that <laughs> there, there might be jocks listening. We need to tell them the lingo, and we should tell them to. Uh, start playing because I have to say for in terms of my mental wellness Dungeons and Dragons is an incredible form of therapy you just if you're angry then your little dwarf barbarian can just swing the shit out of like an axe and suddenly you feel better and if I may venture a guess are you a dwarf barbarian in your character um I'm not in the (laughs) game we're playing now um I am an Aladrin and oh, okay. She's a sorcerer. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah, witchcraft. It's coming yeah. up in your fantasy life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I do have another character I play that is a dwarf, but she's a cheesemonger bard. So she sings <gasps> and makes cheese. I love a cheesemonger. Man, this sounds fun. I have kind of wanted to get a D and D game in my life. I've played like one time before, and yeah, I love I love living living a, a fantasy life. Okay, well, bookmark this idea because okay. I'm one of my resolutions for the New Year's. I finally want to DM my own game. I've never done it, but I think I could <gasps> Ooh, be okay at it. Yeah, and I want to assemble a group of cool women only. Yeah, well, it's kind of a good medium for the pandemic, right? I mean, like a good social improvised medium. Yeah, um, yeah, and I have to say, like playing D and D, it's because we've had these characters for a long time, it's better than any acting class that I could be in right now because I'm actually getting to do true character development in a way that you would do if you were on a TV show or something. Um, And it's just in class, you know, you get your scene, you work on it for a couple weeks, then you move on. Uh, This is true deep development of uh, another entity. So It's uh, kind of writing too. Well, it's definitely writing too. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you can always <laughs> carry a sword around your apartment and be like, you know, I'm method now. Yeah, or throw so, some fireballs is kind of I'm going to drink beer for breakfast because it's I'm method. Mead. Yeah. I drink mead. I I do have a tendency to make my characters have minor drinking problems. <laughs> well, that's fun. Um, yeah, it justifies my own wine intake. <laughs> Just like I, I may be drinking a lot, but it's not like the Aladrin. Yeah, I'm not as bad yeah. as her name is Raelle. I'm like, I'm not as bad as poof. her. Raelle? She, poof. she couldn't walk a straight line if she had her staff out. No, no but she would try. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds really fun. Um, what is the name of the podcast again? It's the called Fear Initiative. Fear Initiative. And Fear it Initiative. Was, yeah, it was originally created by Blumhouse, which are like yeah. the horror masters. And, oh, the uh, horror masters. Yeah, we had an amazing cast with them. It was like Rob Schraub, um, the director, Josh Forbes, um, wow. Clark Wolf, um, who's a, a really great celebrity interviewer. We had a really great team, and we got a, a season and a half with Blumhouse. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, they canceled us but they relinquished the rights to the podcast to oh, us so that we could do whatever we wanted with it. So, um, yeah, now we bring in uh, a challenge that we had with Blumhouse is we couldn't really bring in guests or do merchandise, and we had to go through seven layers of approval if we wanted to do an appearance at a con or something. So now yeah. we get to just make those decisions for ourselves. I love it. Yeah, that's it's so great. Um, everybody should be in charge of the stuff they make, and that's I'm, I'm glad. Okay. Listen, listen to Megan's podcast and follow her, the Megan Duffy. I am Teacup Human, and I will link all that stuff in my episode notes. Everybody can just find it so easily. Sweet. Um, it'll be great. And I am so happy to have you, and I am here to ask a question. And the question is, how can I build you up, Buttercup? Um, I would love a gig if you know anybody. Yeah, yeah, who's yeah. Hiring like a tiny redhead, a tiny who's redhead good at acting. I uh, yeah, I mean, and it's all COVID safe. Everyone's wearing a hazmat suit, and I wish I had that gig for you. Yeah, I mean, me like so many other people. When you know, I was on hold for a couple of things. I was also supposed to direct my first commercial, which I was really excited Fuck. about, and I watched everything just in like two days. I was supposed to go to South by Southwest. I just watched everything go away. Yeah. And, you know, we looked at what was happening in, like, Italy and, and stuff. And I'm like, okay. Right. I And I, I was bracing for about three or four months of no work, which yeah. was already going to be stressful. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was, it's been really exciting seeing production come back. And uh, in terms of outbreaks, um, I think it's been – comparatively it's been minimal but still production's only up at about 10 percent, and it's you know pretty precarious um they just announced there were some shows that were supposed to come back this past monday the 4th others next week on the 11th they've all pushed until at least the 18th of january and probably into february just because um our hospitals are so overwhelmed that you can't really risk um, you know, not just not just getting COVID, but you can't really risk being anywhere where you might get hurt because there's no yeah. room for you to be treated for a regular injury yeah. or problem. So I think it's a good decision to trap us all at home a little. I, I use the word trap. I, you know, it's I feel like when we come out of this, a lot of us are, myself included, are going to have agoraphobia. Yeah. Or the one thing I talk a lot about is like people are going to need to re-socialize and figure out how to just be with people.
people, I was already awkward and like kind of, <laughs> it's a practice. I mean, it really is a practice for me. So, um, yeah. So that's why I'm glad for opportunities to meet new people because that's like something I have not been doing. Um, yeah. do, do you feel though that the people that you are meeting now, you're meeting way less people than if we mm-hmm. were going out. But mm-hmm. for me, the people that I'm meeting um, and I'm not saying that the places I went, I didn't meet quality people, but when I do meet someone now, I just feel like it's one of those friendships or working relationships that isn't going to be fleeting. Like it's more meaningful now when you do meet someone under these circumstances. I love a one-on-one. Like that's my preferred social interaction. Well, as a stand-up comedian, I like a one-on-one or I like a one and a thousand Mm -hmm. uh, you know you listening to my voice um but yeah I think one-on-one um meetings which is kind of what zoom is forcing us to do is yeah it's like it it breeds a lot of intimacy and 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 kind of minimizes distraction I don't know when I think about LA networking I'm like oh a bar in LA oh there's so much to look at and like everybody's looking over their shoulder to see who else who just walked in and you know it's it gets a little gross. I mean, my my thing is when I would go out back when we did that, um, I love to always kind of go out with one friend and maybe we would people watch together. Um, I also, I lived in Paris for a month at one point and I just love to sit at cafes and watch people walk by. And I'm the girl who I will put a lot of time, I love vintage clothes. I will put a lot of time mm. and effort into my hair and makeup and be in a cute outfit. And then I will just stand somewhere and watch other people. I love that. That's all I want to do. Like, I want to be a little ornament. <laughs> like, just like <laughs> a statue that happens to move every once in a while. That's like a my tchotchke. preferred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I do feel like with all of us being on Zoom, it's, and I mentioned when we were chatting before the word equalizing. And I think yeah. because we're all humbled by like, okay, we're in a computer screen. We're in the comfort of our own homes. It's just assumed that someone's got pajamas on the bottom. Yeah. Um it kind of puts us all at this equal playing field that you don't necessarily experience when you're out because when you're out, you know, someone's shorter and someone's taller and someone's dressed up and someone's not. And, and there's all these other factors that come into play that might intimidate us or make us not want to interact with another person that, that are now kind of taken away. Yeah. We're all just the same people waiting for the world to get back to, normal I, there won't be a yeah it'll be a new normal except for super rich people who have a very different experience of this we are all the same <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah although I I mean I do have some friends who are super rich people and they're yeah. also on the zoom and they yeah. also um are grounded in a lot of ways you know their international travel is not sure the same um they still have to wear masks in the grocery store so um even on that level I mean unless you're Jeff you know if you're Jeff Bezos rich then yeah I guess I just mean that like there are some people who are out of work yes and some people who aren't you know Mm -hmm. and I am I'm lucky enough to have a day job where I'm not out of work um so I'm just like the most you know I'm just trying to do everything I can to not catch or spread this illness and that's all I can do um but yeah it is it is super wild do you do you feel like the biggest struggle you have these days 
on the day to day is pandemic related? Is there things that you're getting into that's more, um, or is there anything that the pandemic is pointing you to, you know, that is like, um, kind of directing your attention to things that you want to fix or, or work on outside of this? Um, in the beginning, um, I, I, I ended up, uh, being eligible for unemployment, which was this like crazy roller coaster nightmare that's still not over. But, um, oh my God, I can't. But I, yeah. But so that was for a while, it was like almost like a full time job to like call them because you knew it was yeah. like, okay, it's going to be 200 calls before I even get to the hold music. And then I don't know what's going to happen. And maybe I wait for two hours on hold and then I finally get someone and then it disconnects. Like you just don't know. So that was kind of a thing for a while. And then I would space it out by, um, because I was spending so much time in my apartment and normally I was a pretty social person and going out to dinners and to events and auditions and work and being on set that I started looking around my apartment and I was like, well, what do I want to change? So then you pull out Amazon and you're like, okay, well this, you know, removable wallpaper is $20 a roll and I would need to. And so I started kind of um, just going into different like areas of my house and I'm like, would you, how does this make me feel? And I started changing things that didn't feel right and making them something that did. And I did it economically. Um, but it also gave me a project, a project to research, a project to actually physically do. Um, I mean, at some point I repainted my kitchen that had ever since I moved in, it's always been like an ugly off white, that apartment off white. Yeah. And uh, so I gave it a facelift. Now the cabinets are blue and the upper part's all white. And I uh, borrowed a sander from a friend and I went to town and, you know, put the armwork into sanding the cabinets. Amazing. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a great way to relieve some tension just to add a, some, you know, old wood. And um, so that was kind of how I started improving my life. And then once... I felt really happy and comfortable in my space where now everywhere I look, I um, have a sense of gratitude. You're in love. Aww. Yeah. Well, then – but then it was like, okay. Um, and now I got to get into the deep stuff because we, you know, we have a couple of options. We can let this overwhelm us and destroy yeah. our lives or we can really put the work into coming out of it better than we go – we're getting going into it yeah so I started so you're speaking of internal your mm -hmm. internal world yeah your, your apartment within yes my <laughs> yeah. apartment within um you know because the thing too is like you can fix the the you know the I made an art wall without like I held all this art that I'd acquired that just was like in a pile and I'm like why don't yes. I pick this up so that was something I did and I'm like now I'm like oh that's the Gorgeous. caricature my friend did in this poster that this person made and now it's all up um, but you know, it's only satisfying for so long if you're not happy with who you are. So I started delving yeah. into, um, I guess in the witchy world, you call it shadow work. We do. Yeah. Where you start yeah. really looking at, well, why do I feel this way? And why did this hurt me? And where does it come from? And like, yeah. what happened to me in my youth that maybe, and, and, and it, it's not to say that like those things now don't bother me, but now when something upsets me or I'm, you know, I'm irritated by something, I know why. Yeah. And when you have the why, then you can kind of, it's really easy to um, 
alleviate the stress because you're like, okay, no way this is happening. This is the this this is situation isn't that and yeah. um yeah. And so in terms of my mental health, I feel like a more whole and complete person. Oh, gorgeous. Um, you know, also like I was always out. I never sat. Like I never had a night where I just had to sit with mm. my feelings. If I was upset and stressed out, I could text five people and be like, where are you? And I could go swing dancing or uh, go to a wine tasting. Or so- There was always something to do. And with mm-hmm. nothing to do, I I was really forced to sit with my feelings and my emotions. Look at it. Yeah. I love the- when you're saying that just that awareness makes everything more bearable Mm -hmm. and it's it's uh it's like you know how you got to tell me about how you learned that um I you know I I talk a lot about like just witnessing yeah like yourself and your thoughts and that's what you're talking about what do you do you think that you know was it was it really painful or was it kind of just like it's time now and you open the door you know um I mean it wasn't one epiphany it was like lots of little epiphanies um over the time that we've been in quarantine so some of the epiphanies gave me a lightness um and some of them like I realized that I had a lot of relationships that weren't serving me Um, that again were in place because it was like, oh, I don't want to sit alone, so I'm going to go to this party. And so it was – to let go of some of the relationships was painful. And like is there an instance that you can recall where it's like, oh, I don't miss that person. I've had that thought a few times. (laughs) Like there are some times where I'm thinking about people, like tertiary people in my life who are not – you know, super important. They're maybe not on the friends like favorites or or anything like that. But I'm like, damn, I miss that person. I really miss them. I've had a, a person that I've dreamt about a couple of times that I would not put on my close friends list. But I'm like, man, they're just kind of in my psyche, you know. Um, and then also, of course, I understand the opposite, which is just like, you know, boy, I haven't seen that person. I don't miss their influence in my life. Yeah, there's um, there were two relationships that I let go of. that were um, like just people I saw often all the time and in both situations there was like something that happened that just made me take pause because I'd been doing the work um, on myself it was a little like oh a little red flag like popped up not a big waving one but a little like huh and it started making me pay closer attention. And then every interaction I was noticing something like, oh gosh, oh gosh, this is why. And in in all the instances, I realized that so much of my self-worth was tied to these relationships mm. and that both these relationships were crutches for me when I didn't want, they were escapes. They were things like, there were people that I saw when I didn't want to be alone versus people I really enjoyed being with. That gave you something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I started putting the distance there. And the longer I put the distance there, the more I was like, oh, gosh, I'm better without this. Wow. Um, And not to say that they're trial. Yeah. And not to say that they're bad. They're they're not bad people. It's just sometimes you have relationships that you outgrow. Don't serve you. 
as you said. Yeah. One, there was a phrase that I really liked um, that's like, it's not that I want you not to eat. You're just not welcome at my table. Mm-hmm. I want you to eat, just not with me. Yeah. You can't, you can't sit here. Um, <laughs> that's really beautiful. Um, you know, usually I, I, you know, when I give people pep talks on this podcast, I just have to say, you know, like, I hate that this is your struggle, that you're, you know, your job and, and this, these circumstances of the pandemic that have, you know, made you fight with unemployment. And also, you know, look at the macro, which is that we should live, if we were living in New Zealand, we would be paid already. You know, if we lived in South Korea, you wouldn't have to fight with unemployment. So that struggle is like, it doesn't have to be that way. One of my very good friends lives in Australia and her state, so they still have the state borders closed because there's a couple of states that have a few cases. Um, But her state, there are zero cases. Gorgeous. So and they're they're having Coachella's just, down there. Yeah, I mean, her life is just normal. She's like, yeah, I get lunch and I did this for Christmas, and mm. she's an actor as well, and she just worked on set, and there's no pods of groups of people. She's like, it's completely normal, and she's looking at what's happening here, and she checks in with me. She's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. And, Bless her. Yeah. And it's wild because she was actually – she came – she was here uh, in the beginning of the year and stayed with me through the month of February and got out right before everything went down. And um, yeah, really like enjoyed her time here and the freedoms and then just how drastically things have changed since then is pretty wild. Totally wild. But yeah, just to name that, which is like – you know, there's so much in our life that is like struggle that we have to deal with. There are bad circumstances like, you know, fucking my grandfather died. It's all bad. But what could be avoided isn't being avoided. Yeah. And it it's shit. And I hate it. And yeah. I hate it for you. And I hate it for me. And I hate it for all the good and gentle listeners. Um, but what I want to just like commend you on is doing this big, brave work that you you know, it was, you know, it was was calling for you and, you know, you're, you could have ignored it, Mm -hmm. yeah, but you did not. I did not. Well, I also, you know, I, I had like a a few years, like as an actor where I was having really big successes. And then I Mm. had some years where I was getting successes and I'm still making a living, but that next level didn't really come. And so I'm here and I'm like, okay, well, why is that? And what's different about me from that time period to now? And and that is kind of also what led me to um, realizing that maybe some of my relationships were unhealthy and maybe I had unhealthy thought patterns. And um, uh, I guess this is a, a, maybe a motivational story is I, um, yeah. I moved out here to Los Angeles to become an actor. I had three suitcases and 500 bucks and yes. I made it work. And I didn't have any friends. I wasn't connected. I didn't know a single person in Los Angeles. I had one friend and she lived in Camarillo. So, uh, which if you geography wise is in Ventura County, it's about an hour away. Yeah. Um, so I, but I had Moxie and you know, I, yeah. <laughs> I uh, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, and it took me a little longer to make friends and and have relationships. And um, I don't think I 
I didn't really have like that foundation or that support system to teach me mm. um, all the things about this kind of work. Um, Ugh. Like I remember testing for a pilot uh, pretty early on and being so convinced that I got it. And then I didn't. Yeah. And at 22, I could not handle that. I could not – like I grew up doing dance and I got most of the things I tried out for. So the that level of rejection didn't make yeah. sense to me. It devastated me for a long time. Um, it led me to – and also how men treated young women. Oh, ew. And that's a whole other um, – like I tell the story sometimes, my first ever movie that I booked, I was so stoked. I worked for a week straight, night shoots. It was really cool. I actually made some friends that I'm still in touch with. But at the wrap party, the director, everybody was super wasted, which is is fine. It happens at a wrap party. But I remember him saying to me um, when I was leaving, like, oh, I'm so disappointed. And I was like, oh, and I was like, well – it's getting late. Everybody's going home. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I'm so disappointed. And I was like, well, why are you disappointed? We made a great movie. And he said, because I was going to have sex with you tonight. And I went, oh. And meanwhile, he's flanked by these like two gorgeous girls who look like they just walked out of Maxim. So I'm like, I and I'm, and listen, I'm cute, but like, I'm not, I, I wasn't like the LA, I'm not the LA kind of looking girl. So I was just kind of like, yeah. well, there's plenty of pretty girls here. I'm sure you'll find someone. And I brushed it off. I was like, oh, whatever. He's yeah. drunk. I didn't really take it to heart. Um, He invited me to the screening. It was like eight or nine months later. And it was at, um, like on, it was a studio lot. And I was very excited. And uh, I was cut. I had one <gasps> line that kept, that was kept. You saw my face for like a second. Um, and then I had one line that they used as like ADR over the scene. But other than that, I, I didn't make the cut. Mm. And I remember being there with my friend and she's like, why would he invite you if you were cut out? And I was like, well, I think cause we all just made friends and he's just excited about the movie. And she's like, why wouldn't he tell you that he cut your scene before he invited? And I just was like, yeah. oh, I, well, I mean, I don't know. Like I, you know, I was so naive and, and optimistic yeah. about people and I went up to congratulate him at the at the end of the screening. And he was like, yeah, I'm so sorry. We had to lose your scene. And I was like, oh, I get it. And he's like, yeah, should have gone home with me. Me too, me too. And then turned around and walked off. And I still went to the after party because that's what you did. But I didn't, like being, did. I didn't like being treated that way. And so I started feeling really conflicted because I didn't want to – this was, was early in your career. Yeah, I was like 20, 22, 21, 20, yeah. Um, so but I just six was like, months ago. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, I don't know how old you are. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I started looking at that and I was like, okay, I really love performing. It's all I've ever wanted to do, but I don't want to be treated this way. And I mm -hmm. respect myself more than wanting to do this so I thought so then I became a producer I what was a beautiful uh, sentence I respect myself more than wanting to do this yeah <laughs> just so many um, so many people it's not, say a, that. So not a thing that actresses normally say out loud no. or believe <laughs> um you know so you became a producer <laughs> so I became a producer and um uh part of that was I ended up working in casting a lot so I got to see the industry from the other side and I got wow. to see that sometimes 
the best actor did not get the job, not because they did anything wrong, but because um, on one job, this one chick came in and uh, she was supposed to play a 19-year-old, like a bigger sister to a little 11-year-old girl. And this, we had three actresses we narrowed it down to. This one girl knocked it out of the park. She made the whole room cry. She was the best of that day. But she was five foot one, and the little eleven-year-old we found was five foot tall. They were too close in height; it wasn't going to oh, work. No. So we hired we hired the yeah. second choice, who yeah. was like five eleven. The girl who was the second choice went on to like a year later was a series regular on something. I became friends with the first girl. Um, she's on a show now. It took her a little longer, but the thing is, as a good actor, if you keep showing up and you're consistent you always end up somewhere. You always book a job. So hmm. having that realization um, was the best, I guess, acting training I could have ever had. Because um, then when you get the rejection, it doesn't feel so personal. And something yeah. else always comes along. And in the middle of it, it feels really frustrating. But yeah. something else always comes along. And um, I remember, so this was in... 2009, I was working as a producer. I was still kind of trying to do acting and I had an agent and I was also kind of doing casting. And now multi-hyphenates are very uh, in fashion. But 10 years ago, um, and and I think it still happens, like people just wanted to put you in a box. This is so-and-so and and she does this thing. And if you did too many things, then people were confused about what you were. And so I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who was um, an agent at a big agency. And he's like, you know what your problem is, is no one knows what to do with you. you you're just, you're in too many hmm. boxes. You just seem unfocused. And I didn't totally agree with him in terms of that I should just do one thing with my life. But I did realize that um, working in production as a producer, there were a lot of jobs that I agreed to do that I would have a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach when I agreed to do it, but I would do it anyway. And it would always be a disaster, like something that didn't pay me my full rate mm. or it would just be like, you know, I was paid, but such a low amount of money for the amount of like time and energy it took to do it. And so I made the decision as my new year's resolution in 2009, that any thing I was offered that gave me a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach, I was going to say no to no matter what. And at the time I lived with a boyfriend. And so sometimes I'd be like, oh, I got this job and it pays this much, but it, I had a bad feeling. And he'd be like, ah. And, <laughs> and uh, November came and I remember I'd said no to a lot of things. You did. I did the you whole year. The whole year wow. I stuck to it. But then November came and I remember not really knowing how my December rent was going to be paid. Mm. And saying like you know what I think I need to give up I think I need to quit I think this dream I have is silly and I need to grow up now and get a real job so I uh waited until after lunch it was about 2 30 that day it was a Tuesday and I called my film and tv agent and I said hey I gotta I can't do this anymore I want you to stop submitting me I don't think I'm meant to be an actor. I'm just going to get a job as like a casting assistant or something like that. Like I'm starting to send my resume out. This isn't the lifestyle for me. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And he's like, well, I'm really sad to eat. Like, let me know if you change your mind. And I was like, okay, but I won't. Mm. And then 
around five o'clock. Get out. I get a call from my commercial agent. And this is strange because uh, my commercial agency I was with at the time communicated mostly via email. So for some to call me Mm. was weird. And my agent, Haim, says to me, call when I pick up the phone, he's like, so how do you like money that falls from the sky? (gasps) Oh, that sentence. And I said, what? Oh, my God. I was like angry. I was like, what? Don't fuck with me. And um, and oh he's like, God. I said, how do you like money that falls from the sky? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he says, um, do you remember that iPhone? I had shot an iPhone commercial a year and a half earlier and it never made it to air. Or my footage oh. was never used in the final okay. whatever. And he's like, do you remember that iPhone commercial that you shot? And I said, yeah. And he's like, they're using the footage in a new spot. They're going to start airing it this Sunday. I need you to sign the contract ASAP and get it back to me. I ching ching ching. I was like, what? what? Are you kidding me? Oh, that phone call. Yeah, oh, and so we I went it. from like you know not knowing how rent was yeah. going to be paid to like okay, now I know twelve thousand dollars is coming. Oof. Um, great. Beautiful. Because I and that would mean at the time that was like the it would have put me over so I could have gotten insu- I would have gotten insurance with my union like yeah. it was just kind of a great little end of the year blessing and I was like hmm that's funny how things work sometimes but I still was yeah. gonna get a full time job yeah and then <gasps> my film and TV agent calls me the next day wow. And he's like, okay, so I know you told me to stop submitting you, but what if I have a direct offer? (gasps) And I said – (laughs) Loophole. What? Uh, I said loophole. (laughs) And um, so when I was producing, I had worked on a film with this uh, director named Anna Forrester, who was Roland Emmerich's second unit director. Now she's a big TV director on her own. Mm. She's a lot of the Outlander episodes. And she did um, a really, the the kind of the, uh, there was like a polarizing episode of Westworld this this season that she did. Anyway, amazing director. Nice. But um, I had worked with her uh, as a producer on a film that she was a part of. And so my agent says to me, so I have an offer, a direct offer for you for a role. It was on the show Criminal Minds. They specifically needed a five-foot-tall redhead who was good at crying. Wow. Which I was because in the process of casting, like I said, the girl who made us cry in the room made me cry. So everybody (laughs) in the room knew I could cry. And, um, and, And I was directing. Amazing. So I didn't even have to audition. So I went from having no prospects, nothing, ready to give up to in in a matter of maybe 36 hours, my life completely changing. And that big bonanza of money at the end of the year, like I said, was able, gave me my insurance, put money in the bank, and then gave me the confidence to move forward. And then I didn't have to worry anymore. And, you know, every time I went into an audition or a job interview, I never felt like, oh, I need this to pay my rent. It was just like, this is what I have to offer. This is who I am. And, um, yeah, and I – for a long time, that was my secret. I just was confident in myself. Um, And then somewhere along the line, um, I started falling into my old patterns of Hmm. not listening 
to that voice in the pit of my stomach that's like, oh, maybe this isn't right. Um, everything from reps I chose to friends I chose. Um, I hung out with a lot of friends. Uh, my, my boyfriend that I lived with when we broke up, I suddenly was going out all the time and I made friends with people who uh, weren't necessarily great friends but were available. And I just didn't want to sit home and deal with myself or deal with my feelings. Hmm. Um, and so it kind of lowered my frequency and it's yeah. made me not believe in myself and it made me lose some of my confidence. And so again, with the quarantine, it was like sitting down and really examining that yeah, and realizing that I just got to get back to that place of me knowing who I am and selecting to surround myself with the energy that's right for me, which means saying no. Also what I'm hearing from the 2009 moment is like, you know who you are and who you are is someone very precious. We're all precious though. We are all precious, but, but you knowing and naming that I am precious and I do not do low vibrational things mm -hmm. because I am precious mm -hmm. and I am a high vibration being. Um, it's beautiful At the and and not something that is innate. And so it makes sense that you have to re-attune mm -hmm. that value. And at the time, I don't think I even realized it is like high frequency or low frequency. Yeah. It was just like these things feel bad and life is short and if something makes me feel bad, then I'm really sensitive. So if something makes me feel bad, I'm going to feel bad for a while about it. So maybe don't do the thing that feels bad. Right. I think you also said the pit of your stomach, um, bad feeling in the pit of your stomach. And I have a lot of problems being embodied, living in this body and paying attention to what this body is saying. Um I tend to, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian, so I'm very verbal, and I tend to just kind of let the thing tumble out of my mm -hmm. mouth and see how it feels after it's kind of out there. Um, <laughs> so I love that you are paying attention to what your body is saying, and um, that's that's really aspirational. And that's always something that we can return to, Yeah, you know. And it's a superpower that we as women have. It's that intuition. That, yeah. you know, um, I mean, there's been times in my life, I remember, when was the tsunami that, Oh, I remember waking up in the 2011 middle of the, or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, just in this full, like, I can't breathe. And I'm like, I feel like something's wrong. I feel like something's wrong. And I was with my boyfriend at the time and I, he was like, just go back to bed. And he's you just probably had a nightmare. And I'm like, no, something's wrong. And then we woke up to that news. So I've just always been kind of in tune with um the big know, everything. yeah the big yeah. everything and and I think a lot of us are that's not really yeah. unique to me it's just whether or not you're paying attention and listening and yeah. when you listen to that inner voice um it can really guide you and give you important information yeah I think it's um I think I believe it is my podcast audience that is the tender sensitive people out there so I I think that will resonate yeah. um I I think sensitive people, I struggle with this as I am very sensitive. And so I do not want to be present all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm very jealous of these 
you know, to use a phrase, yoga bitches who are like, you know, all about presence and being centered. And I think, you know, if you have a lot of trauma, um, that's not so easy. And I am a little resentful of people who are just like, oh, you just have to meditate and be really present. And it's like, well, present hasn't always been good for me. (laughs) Hasn't always worked for me. Um, But I that, you know, is only limiting myself. But you got to be friends with these with these resentments you have. Um, yeah. Um, do you find, see, here's the thing though, because I, for a while I got into yoga thinking that that maybe Mm. would be my magic answer. And I realized that, and this is not true for everyone because some people are incredibly authentic, but there are a lot of people who get into yoga who are people who are angry and resentful and they don't deal with their shit. But then they get into being like a yoga instructor or or a, an wow, energy healer, yeah. but they haven't dealt with their stuff. So yeah. then they're just this like low frequency person claiming to be a high frequency person. And then that just ends up being really chaotic for anyone who comes into their sphere. It's ex- That phenomenon is extremely pervasive in all of like the witchy new age spaces mm-hmm. I find, you know. And frankly, like um, I had an ex who was um, in a psychology program and like a lot of the psychology students were also just like, wow, you got you got a lot going on there. Pal. You yeah. know what I mean? And and we're sort of projecting, not necessarily projecting, but um you know, picking a thing where it's like, well, I'm going to help people. And it's like, well, maybe you need um, to point that you know, mirror back at, back at your own self. Um, my problem with yoga is mostly that I am, it gets um, boring. Sorry. No, (laughs) not even that. Um, my problem with is yoga culture. I have no problem with stretching your body in using these ancient beautiful poses to stretch your body. By minute three, I'm like so bored, so bored, so bored. Can we just move to another pose? (laughs) I totally feel that. Yes, that certainly does happen. But yeah, I I just can't handle like um, a yoga t-shirt. I mean, also there's, it's so appropriate, a lot of appropriation sometimes, like all these white people just taking over um, this, like, you know, it's an East Indian art uh, practice. It's very old. Well, and then the Beakroom documentary just kind of of turns everything. Yeah, very problematic. It's like, oh, he just liked sexy skinny lady bodies that's the, yeah. what that came from and then all these people were like oh he's a genius and I'm like no he's just a a misogynistic perv and also now now yoga is about sexy skinny tiny people and it's like well maybe that's not what this like extremely old discipline is actually training our bodies to be skinny. I think it's like it makes me want to sing a song like skinny happy people on their heads Ooh, there it is i just wrote that right now tm <laughs> nobody steal it it's megan duffy's uh sorry rem rem <laughs> yeah it's sorry <laughs> um, um this was so great well um you know sometimes i offer you know resources but you've got this beautiful practice in progress um you're you're doing it every day you're witnessing yourself most day. I mean, some Most days, days, you know, and that's the thing too. It's just when you start to commit to the practice, you really have to forgive yourself because there are days when it's just not going to work. Yeah. And you have to allow for that. You can't be hard on yourself if it's like, you know what, today I'm yeah. not going to, I'm just going to be a disaster. I'm going to drink yeah. it. And I think, you know, 80-20 is what you should um, try to be. I mean, with everything, with diet, with exercise, like, eight, you know, 80% of the time be your best and then – 
20% of the time, like as long Ooh, as in that 20%, you're not like murdering people or something, like be a little reckless. That's I love okay. that ratio. I love that ratio. I think that is really divine. Um, yeah, I mean, beautiful. And also like even in that 20% process, because you are kind of in this relationship with self-improvement and self-discovery, you're still doing it mm-hmm. when you're being the monster person or whatever. You're still doing it and you're like naming it and you're giving yourself occasion. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's still high va- high vibrational behavior because you're like, you know, you're being a beautiful human with nuance and, and messiness yeah. because you're not a perfect human. You're a teacup human. Aw. Um- Dropped. Drop the handle. Love it. Um, So one resource that's been really helpful to me, and I'm sure you know about it, maybe you don't, um, is the app Headspace. Do you know about the app I don't use Headspace. Yeah, tell me about Headspace. um, They actually, so it's an app, and it's normally a pay app, but for the city of Los Angeles or the county, I'm not sure if it's city or county of Los Angeles, they actually, the Department of Mental Health, I think, is who sponsored a free subscription to Angelinos to use during this hard time. I don't know where, and, oh. and I don't know if other states have done it. But additionally, um, I just saw on Netflix that the guy who created Headspace, this guy Andy, who is apparently a former monk or something. I don't know. I haven't really fact checked to know if he's. I just he's sure. a soothing voice, so I'm like fine. But there's like a a series on Netflix about how to meditate. And oh. the app itself, um, and they're not paying me or anything, but the app itself has like some really great guided meditations um, that are, they have some more advanced ones, but even just for beginners. Um, and I've been really enjoying, the hardest problem I have sometimes is not just falling asleep, but I consistently will wake up sometime between like 3 and 5 a.m. in the middle of the night. And sometimes oh. I can't fall back asleep. Uh, just with all the the stress and the energy in, yeah. in the world. Um, so they have a really great like fallback to sleep meditation. And every time I've used it, it's worked. Amazing. Um, yeah. And it's, again, um, at least for Angelinos, it was offered as a free resource uh, right. to really be a, you know, a, a non-judgmental introduction into meditation. I didn't know that it was about meditation. I thought it was a therapy kind of thing, but that's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all based in meditation, uh, but then they kind of branch out from that. So they have a bunch of different uh, meditations that will, um, like I think there's one for like food cravings and stuff. So it does kind of get into that hypnotherapy therapy yeah. area. Um, but in the sleep, there's a couple of just like sounds, like here's a rain sound to fall asleep to that's really soothing. Amazing. I don't know. I mean, just like whatever, whatever works. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, the, the piece, um, just that is so great about meditation is, you know, you are, you know, you clear your mind. So you're, you're, there are no thoughts. And then when you are not meditating and a thought enters your mind, you're able to witness it and you're Mm -hmm. able to witness yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm having a thought. Where did this thought come from? Does it come from my brain or from the atmosphere? Or maybe I'm super sensitive and it didn't come from me. It came from this person to my left. And actually, I have nothing to do with this thought. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm uh, Yeah. I'm so glad you're you're getting that 
that free heads. Yeah, fucking Angelinos, get on it. It is stressful here. My dentist was like, all I do is fix teeth in the pandemic because everybody's grinding their damn teeth. I needed a root canal because I did that. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. It's okay. Yeah. I was eating po- I was eating popcorn during Mercury retrograde, so it's kind of my fault. But stressed. um I just remember being stressed out and making popcorn to make myself feel better, which now I will not do again. Um and then crunching what I thought was a kernel and then I'm like that's not a kernel. That looks like oh, part of my tooth. tooth. Oh, yeah, no. like a big hole and I needed a root canal, oh, which um but funny to mention I've always been afraid of the dentist. I hated the dentist growing up as a kid. I had like really painful fillings that like I would feel happen despite the Novocaine. Like I just, it was a trauma for me to go to the dentist and I have so much anxiety, like panic attack anxiety when I have to go get a cleaning. And root canal was like the last thing I ever wanted to have happen. And I like have my electric toothbrush and I floss all the time just to avoid things like that. And I have to say... That all things considered, the root canal I had was pretty pleasant. And if that's not yeah. like a mo- like a, a mantra for 2020, I don't know what is. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Canals. I do think root canals get a bad rap. It's kind of like, remember when we were children and Brussels sprouts were supposedly really bad, but actually we grow up, Brussels sprouts, delicious, fried, covered in balsamic vinegar. Do you have an air fryer? No, but I I started air frying mine and it's just like, wow, Brussels sprouts. Wow. Nature's candy. Nature's cabbage candy. Brussels sprouts, root canals, (laughs) rebrand. We need to bring them back. Um, All right, my dear. Well, I was going to end with um, giving you a blessing and I just have uh, a blessing that came up where you're in this relationship with your shadow self and it's so beautiful. And I don't think you're really like even scared. You're not even scared to look at it at all, but just to continue to make that relationship like playful and like not scary and like you're in communication and relationship, I think you are dancing with your shadow self. And it's like you put your shadow self in your leotard to match yours. And you come up with a fucking in sync dance routine with your shadow self. Like there's nothing scary about this other, this other Megan. Um, You know, she is you and she is your leotard and you are in perfect harmony with this um, in perfect. What are we dancing to? Ooh, this is a great question. Um, I feel, you know, for whatever reason, I was thinking the leotard. I was thinking the 80s. I think it might be Paula Abdul. I think okay. it might be Rhythm Nation. Um, I think it might be, it, or if it's, like, important, you can put on whatever music. If it's, like, an emotional th- day, maybe it's Stevie Nicks, you know? If it's um, if it's a very angry day, maybe it's Run the Jewels. I'm going to write all this down. Great. Um, they may become Instagram dance videos. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it could be a thing where you're just like, because uh, you're you're listening to your body, you know, it's like, oh, it's an angry day. So perhaps I put on angry music and I it's a fight dance like in West Side Story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the, um, the, I guess we're on Zoom. So you saw yeah, that. No Zoom, one I could hear it. I just, I flay, I, my attempt at karate chops, I. Yeah, there was some electric boogaloo happening. Yeah. For I'm not the formally trained at karate chopping, <laughs> but I feel like I did an okay interpretation of it. Yeah, and if and if it's you know perhaps something that needs a lot of structure, it's a it's a ballet moment. It's a um, it's a dougie, you know. Maybe it'll be freeform. 
what are you listening to right now that you really love? I'm curious. Oh, um, what am I listening to um, that I really love? Well, it's always Zizza. It's always her. I listen to not great music to dance to. I listen to very, very slow R&B almost exclusively. <laughs> but that can, you could dance to that. I've been listening to this guy Mort. Mort Garson, mm. I think is his last name. He, in the 70s, made this like album that's meant for your plants. And it's just <gasps> all very like, <laughs> like, um, it's bizarre. Uh, and a friend introduced me to it and she's like, your plants will dance if you put it on. And I was like, that's <gasps> not true. But sure enough, um, I have a couple of, I've acquired a lot of plants during quarantine and there's, yeah. I have two of them where their leaves will move ever so slightly. It's one of those things you wouldn't, it's not noticeable, but if you're staring at it, you'll see just like one little thing. Um, it's called Plantasia. <sighs> That sounds great. All and, right. Yeah. Down there's something Plantasia. about the, but there's also something about the frequency of it that just feels um, really harmonious vibrationally Gorgeous. for even humans. So I can't wait to introduce my plants to it. I also have plants and I, oh my God, I wish gonna, to see them dance. They're going to love. Also, I think you might love Plantasia. I might. I might love it. If it's very slow R&B type music, I'm very excited. It's more just weird. It's like weird <laughs> keyboard stuff. I like weird 70s music too. Yeah. yeah it it's good. It's great to put on when you're like cleaning. Gorgeous. <laughs> Brie, it was Megan, so nice to meet you. Ugh, so nice to meet you. Thank you for sharing um, the struggle and your process with it. I think it's very resonant with people. And I, again, commend you on your brave work battling with the shadow self and I think you're gonna continue to I mean it's we all are stuck with our shadow selves for our whole lives you know and so we just have to either make that relationship be harmonious or fucking bash our head against the wall for our entire lives and that's not what I pick and it's not what you pick yeah so Good, good. Keep dancing with that shadow, baby. I'm actually going to, I think my shadow and I will make a dance and we will ah! dedicate it to you. I don't know when it's going to happen. It has to be yeah, spontaneous. Yeah, anytime. But, um, Whenever you feel it in your body. Yeah, you'll you'll have like a weird tag on Instagram like a Perfect. month from now and you'll be like, oh, it's Megan. <laughs> Perfect. I'll share it. I'll share it with the pod audience. Um, yeah, all the may all the good and gentle listeners go follow you um, to uh see see all the all the dancing and all the good things that you do when the industry opens up because also another thing i meant to say earlier is that i believe this industry cannot be stopped it's the dream factory baby it'll reopen you know and i believe that's about stand-up comedy too live performance is indomitable so we'll be back i mean what's given everybody the like the escapism and the the happiness right now it's tv and film yeah. Everybody's sitting it's at home with Netflix essential. and Hulu and everything else. And so performers, um, you know, and there's still shows being greenlit, even though things aren't in production. Left and right, things are happening. I've been going to Zoom plays. I've seen Zoom plays. I've been <gasps> to Zoom comedy shows. Ooh. It's ex like, it's actually it's a, a really brave new frontier. Yeah, it's an innovative, yeah. exciting time. Here's a fun thing. Okay, since you've done a lot of TV, can you tell – can you give us an episode of something you did a long time ago that you're proud of that we should go back and watch? Okay. Because so I'm watching all vintage TV right now. Are you into Doctor Who? 
Yes, or not really, but I will watch an episode of Doctor Who. Okay, so my my first ever TV job was an episode of Gilmore Girls. And so during quarantine, every few weeks, someone is like, were you on Gilmore? I think this is, and they'll send me, I'm like, yeah, that's obviously me. And also in the crowd, like, so um, that's something that just, I remember how exciting um, that was to book it. And then the actual day on set was very like procedural. And I was like, oh, this isn't really magical at all. It's just hard work. (laughs) Um, but I guess the thing, one of the things I'm most proud of is that, um, they did a season of Torchwood Miracle Day, which is part of the Doctor Who universe. They shot it in LA and I got to have like a five minute scene playing a tiny hooker opposite Bill Pullman. Wow. And that was my, that's like one of my favorite days of work. And he took me to lunch after he's such, I'd met him before I'd worked with him before, but he's such a like smart nice kind person um so there's that and then uh, to if you're if if, yes. if someone is into horror and uh the hardest job the the hardest i've ever worked for a job is a movie called maniac where i'm uh opposite elijah wood and yeah. um i had to like get my body in shape we shot for a month it was it was really intense work with stunts it's shot mostly in pov um so technically it was challenging because sometimes um like if you're seeing me holding someone's hand on screen sometimes it's elijah's hand sometimes it's his double if there's two hands it's both of them and then also a dp in the middle because i'd have to make eye contact with a camera lens technically it was so hard physically it was so hard for everyone in the cast we worked really hard we got to the Cannes film festival as an official selection it was my first time visiting france to get to go and premiere it um so i'm really proud of that too but it's a hard watch super gory my hair grew back don't worry oh my god Um, well it's not for me but i will watch it but i i'm more excited maybe about the torch the the torchwood with Mm -hmm. bill Pullman. i mean that's exciting. I also, um, the last TV job I had was yeah. on, um, it was a recurring role on a show called The Affair. Um, oh, that's yes. on Showtime. Showtime. And I was such a huge fan of The Wire, like huge. Wire is yes. one of my favorite TV shows. So all, most of my scenes are with Dominic and Dominic West, <sighs> who is McNulty. And um, yes. we, like we have a kissing scene and stuff. So I, oh. um, that was like another cool. What season of The Affair are you The on? last one. The one that just finished. All right, listeners, go watch it. I want to see you smooch McNulty. I've been really lucky with, I've been really lucky with working with handsome men from uh, Bill Pullman to Elijah Wood. I also had a campaign for Burger King for a while and I got to work with David Beckham. So like, I've just been so lucky in the the attractive men department. Hey, they're lucky. (laughs) you're cute also we're all lucky we're so cute (laughs) megan thank you so much for joining me um i do you have anything else you want to say to the good and gentle listeners um take care of yourself oh yes eat cheese Mm. if if you're into that sort of thing you know 80 20 don't eat all the cheese but have a bite (laughs) of cheese sometimes It, it helps during the day and and Brie, I wish you so much luck and success. Woo! I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see like a year from now when you've got your own Netflix special. Or Hell something. yeah, it's coming. Yeah. I'm t- all accept. I received those blessings. I will. S- I'm sending them. Choo, choo, Woo! Choo, choo, received. Choo. All right, sweet <laughs> Megan. Um, I'm gonna end the podcast the way I end every episode of You Can Do It with Brie Pruitt, which is by singing the very end of Boys to Men's End of the Road. 
And you're welcome to join in if you wish. And now we've come to the end of the road. Whoa, whoa. And I can't let go. No, no, no. It's so natural. natural. You belong to me. I belong to, to you. Sorry, I'm not a singer. I tried my best. You killed it. Thank you so much, Megan. <laughs> <laughs>